So I want to give us just a little context before we dive in, um, because I think what's important about the context is it gives us, it frames for us Jesus's heart for his disciples. It frames Jesus's heart. It shows us his heart that he had for his disciples. And so I'm going to take us back to John 13 really quickly. There are three big things that happen in John 13. And so I'm going to just go through them quickly. The first is the Lord's Supper is happening. Okay. Then Jesus washes the disciples' feet. That happens. And then Jesus predicts his own betrayal. So these are kind of three big things. So I'm going to go through these uh, one at a time. The Lord's Supper. This is the last meal that Jesus has with his disciples. In John 13, 1, it was just before the Passover festival that the supper happens. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so Jesus knows before he has this last meal, that this is the end of the road for his earthly ministry with these men. And it says he loves them until the very, very end. He eats with them. He dines with them. And then secondly, he washes their feet. This is such a tangible act of complete humility and love on the part of Jesus. And I just, I love this, this picture of um, just what a powerful act this is that Jesus does, washing their feet. I think of how dirty their feet must mm. have been back then, right? On the dirty, dusty roads. And it makes me think of New York City roads, right? <laughs> it made me think of like in the summer, and maybe you know what, what I, you can relate to this. In the summer when we're wearing our sandals and we're doing a long <laughs> walk through Central Park and we get home and our feet are so dirty. Like have you ever had that where you've had to like actually stick their, your feet in a tub, you know, when you get home just to wash them off? Well, imagine if you came home from that long walk with those dirty feet. Imagine somebody was there at your apartment waiting for you and invited you to recline in a nice chair and took off those sandals and washed your feet. Imagine that. You know, and what I love is this picture. Simon Peter cannot handle this. <laughs> we know this. He's, he's, he's like, how could Jesus the Messiah stoop to washing my feet? John 13, 6 through 8, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Mm. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Mm. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part mm. with me. So this act of complete love and humility on the part of Jesus. We see that it is critical not only that Jesus does this for his disciples as one of these final acts of love towards them, but it's also critical, the gospel highlights, that the disciples receive it. Mm. And I don't know who here needs to hear that again. Mm -hmm. But it's not only critical that Jesus demonstrates this act of love, mm. But it's critical that his disciples receive it. Yes. And so the third and last thing that happens here in this passage, this pre-context chapter in John 13, is Jesus predicts his own betrayal. 
his own betrayal, John 13, 21 and 26 through 27. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit Mm. and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And then Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread and when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, Mm. the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, it says Satan entered into him. Mm. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do it quickly. You see, Jesus already knew who was going to be the one to betray him. He knew that Judas was going to be the one that would alert the Roman guards, the officers, and and the Pharisees to where they could then find Jesus Mm. and take him. Mm. You see, he knew the road that he was headed down. He knew it. And so you might be wondering, Kathy, well, why are you spending all this time on John 13? Our passage is John 14. Why do we need this context Mm. of the things that happened right before this I am statement that Jesus tells his disciples and tells us. Well, I want to show you really quickly what I thought was so interesting. What some of the headings say at the top of John 14. You know how in your translation, your Bible, whatever Bible translation, oftentimes there's a heading, right, above at the start of a chapter or midway through a chapter. Well, I want you to look at just a couple different translations of what this passage, the header is for John 14. After we've had the Last Supper, the washing of the feet, the prediction of the betrayal. The NASB says, Jesus comforts his disciples. Mm -hmm. The NIV, Jesus comforts his disciples. The Amplified, Jesus comforts his disciples. The first verse in the passage that I read to you earlier, John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Mm -hmm. You believe in God, believe in me also. And the irony was not lost on me as I was looking at these different translations the last few weeks about the order of all this. Mm. I mean, Jesus is having what he knows is probably his last meal, what is his last meal of probably many meals that he has had with his disciples, Mm. those whom he loves. He lowers himself in humility to wash their feet. Mm. And he also says, I also know who's going to betray me, by the way. Mm. Betray me to death. And so then he comforts his disciples. Mm. Jesus comforts his disciples. (laughs) He comforts them. (laughs) I mean, shouldn't they be comforting him? (laughs) Right? I mean, he has been through all of this. He knows he is on the road to death. Shouldn't they be comforting him? And so why? Why is he comforting them? Mm. Well, for starters, they are completely confused. <laughs> they are so confused. Not, to, not only do they not understand why this is the last meal mm. that, that they're having with him, they don't understand why he washes their feet. <laughs> we saw that. Or how or why one of them in their midst would betray them, mm. betray him. Mm. or where on earth he is going after this. (laughs) They don't know. They don't get it. And I wonder, have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you didn't understand, you had no idea what was happening, Mm -hmm. or what Jesus was doing, where your life seemed so confusing, 
with God. Well, I've had many of those <laughs> in my number of decades of, of walking with Jesus. And so I just want to share one of those that I had more recently. Um, and some of you know some of this story, but so I, most of you don't know a lot of it. And, and so I, I was on a path with God in 2020 mm. to plant a church called Hope Nomad. Mm. And a core group of about 20 of us started meeting and gathering and dreaming about, you know, what our, our church would look like in, in the neighborhood of Nomad, which if you don't know what Nomad is, it's north of Madison Square Park. That's, it's an actual neighborhood um, on the east side. And so we were literally mid-church plant in March of 2020. I was leaving my staff role at Hope Midtown, I was already pretty much on the way out um, to plant, and and as we know, COVID hit mm-hmm. in March 2020. And so many of our core community were artists, and, and what started happening during that month when COVID started shutting everything down is people, were, people in our community were losing their jobs. They were losing their second jobs. Many of them were waiters or, you know, worked at restaurants. The restaurants were closing down. Um they lost their roommates. People were leaving the city mass exodus. They lost their apartments. You know, so many things. And it was a very, very disorienting time. And I'm sure many of you remember that time that we're here. And in some ways, those early weeks, those early days, I felt like God was, like, absent. Like, I just couldn't, I couldn't hear him. <laughs> like, I had been hearing him before. And in, and I was grieving, I was really in a time of grief, and it was so disorienting and so um, just confusing, and and I was grieving mostly because people were leaving the city. In fact, um, when the city shut down, my family, my husband Alistair and my son and I, were actually upstate, uh, about an hour and a half north of here. We had bought in 2019 just a little vacation house, and it was just like our thought was, you know, we'll go up there. I would do, you know, I could go right up there, write sermons up there, and just like... It would just be like a little place that we had to, to kind of get away. And so we we were up there because my son had two weeks of spring break right in the middle of March 2020. And so we were up celebrating our birthdays and, mm. and just having two weeks off when everything started happening. And so we had invited some core team, come some of our core team, Bianca, who's upstairs. She was one of those people. Um, a bunch of young adults had invited them, them up. Um, for what we just thought was going to be a couple days, you know, we're like, just come up here, you know, we're all hanging out, and they were losing their jobs, so they're like, we got no, nothing to do, nowhere to go, and so, you know, during that time, we kind of all thought, oh, this will be over, like, in a week, right, <laughs> and so we invited these young adults up, and that turned into, you know, what we thought was going to be like a week or a couple days turned into um, five young adults living with my husband, son, and I in this tiny little house <laughs> for four months. <laughs> four months um and i i remember journaling a lot during that time i was so confused and disappointed and you know nothing was looking like what we thought it was going to look like all the dreams we had for it were just like god what is going on and and i also didn't know like could i effectively still plant a church in this craziness with, you know, like what seemed like the whole world was shutting down. And, and so I kept turning to Jesus because I had nowhere else to turn to. Um, and I just kept asking him, I was like, God, I don't like, I don't understand. I don't know what road you're going down. I don't know what road I'm going down. What 
what do you want me to do? And there were three things that he audibly spoke to me during that time. The first was trust me. Mm. He very clearly said, trust me. And then he said, don't miss what I'm doing. Mm. And so I had these young adults, this little house church, up in this little house upstate with my husband and son and I. And he said, don't miss what I'm doing. What's right in front of you. And then he said, keep going. Mm. Keep going. And so when everything else around me looked disorienting and confusing and, and literally I had pastors going, Kathy, you can't plan a church right now. Mm. You can't do that. Mm. God said, keep going. Mm. And so I don't know about you, but in my journey with the Lord, I have learned the hard way <laughs> to obey. <laughs> I have learned what it looks like not to obey. And that's what I mean by the hard way. Um, and so what I have learned is that obedience is the most important thing. Amen. Obedience. Mm-hmm. And so um, I obeyed him. Even when I could not see the road in front of me, I had no idea what we were going to do. Um, I was grieving the loss of what I thought was going to be. Um, but we kept going. And so we started this little church, Hope Nomad, in this little house upstate uh, online as a little house church. We would worship in the family room. We would eat meals together. We supped together. We really were like an Acts 2 church. You know, the, the early church where they said they did everything together. That's like kind of what we did. Um, and we believed that God would show us what to do. And he did. And so when we finally, it was, it was like we felt like college parents. We finally moved all our kids back to the city in July of 2020. We got everybody back down here when things started to settle a little bit. And, and um, we could get people housed. Um, you know, we had people, we had one young woman with us who had some, um, some mental illness. And so there were, there were things that needed to happen. And so we didn't want to just, you know, push everybody out the nest. It was like, okay, how can we do this gradually? So we all kind of got back down here in the summer of 2020 and God provided for us to keep going and to go after our vision to bless our neighborhood and to plant seeds for the gospel. And so we did that online for a long time. And then eventually uh, we started at the, the what you guys know as the hub. Uh, we were the first little church to start in their chapel in person. And so my point in sharing this story is that Jesus comforted us. Mm-hmm. Jesus comforted me. He comforted our community, our small community. He showed us the way. Even when we didn't know what the way was going to be, it was, it was very unknown what the future would look like. And what I love about this is that that's what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. And this is what happens when we seek him. Because mm. I tell you, more than not, my husband can tell you, I rolled over in bed during those four months and I said, God, I can't keep doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. There were so many times when I was just like, God, maybe you don't want me to pastor a church. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what you're saying. But Jesus said, keep going. Mm. And so I, what I wholeheartedly believe in this I am statement that I'm going to now get to. When are we get to that? Um, I believe that there is so much comfort in this statement for us. 
you know, this, this statement that, again, follows these, these crazy things. The Last Supper, the washing of the feet, the betrayal mm. of Jesus from his very own. Mm. And what's so interesting to me is how paradoxical Jesus' road is. Mm. It's a paradoxical road, if you've ever thought about that. And because of this, our road often tends to be very paradoxical as well. Mm. Because if our road is through Jesus... His road is paradoxical, and so our road is paradoxical. And so what I want us to look at um, is now the message translation of John 14. So I'm going to reread this passage to you for just a moment. And what I love, interestingly, Eugene Peterson titles his version of this, The Road. Mm -hmm. This is what he calls it, The Road, John 14, 1 through 7. It says, don't let this rattle you. You trust God, don't you? Mm. Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's house. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? Mm. And if I'm on my way to get a room ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. Thomas said, Master, we have no idea where you're going. Mm. How do you expect us to know the road? Mm. And Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me, and if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've even seen him. Mm. And so what is Jesus' road that he has just outlined for his disciples? We looked at in this preceding passage in John 13. Well, it's a road of humility. Mm. It's a road of betrayal. Mm. It's a road of ultimately suffering and death. Mm. And I don't know about y'all, but that is not super comforting <laughs> to me. <laughs> it is not super comforting. But yet I've also experienced that this is part of our life mm. as Christ followers. Yeah. And the longer I walk with Jesus the more I realize that he can actually be found in these tough spaces. He can be found, and sometimes it's actually in the suffering, in the betrayal, in the humiliation that God is refining us, refining me, refining you to be more like him. It's in those places, and boy, is it hard. Can we just be real? It is hard. It is painful, And it hurts. But there is also great treasure to be found. Because Jesus is right there with us. He walked it. He walked that road first. And what I love is Jesus doesn't just leave the I am statement there. He also is the truth. He says he's the truth. And we live in a world right now where it is so hard to get the truth, isn't it? It is so hard. And sometimes I just, I scratch my head wondering, like, when is the truth ever going to be displayed about certain things? You know, we turn on the news and, you know, when is the truth going to be displayed about the January 6th riots? Mm -hmm. When is the truth going to be displayed about how black men and women are still being treated by the police? Mm -hmm. Which grieves my heart. And when are the people in Russia Mm -hmm. going to be given the actual truth about what's happening Mm -hmm. in the Ukraine right now? Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of truth. If you turn on that news, there's not a whole lot of truth. 
you know, I think more locally for me, you know, when is my son going to be honest with me about wearing his retainer? (laughs) You know, I mean, we all have levels of truth that we're dealing with. But it's hard to find. It's really hard to find the truth. And so, thank goodness that Jesus comforts us with this fact that he is the truth. He is the truth. When we cannot get the truth from anyone around us or the news or or anywhere else, we can trust and know that Jesus mm-hmm. is the truth. Mm-hmm. 1 John 5.20 says, We know also that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He is the true God and eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so when we see Jesus as our standard of truth, it gives us Hope It gives me great hope because we can believe the one who says, I am the way, the road to the Father, the only way. We can believe that our lives are bigger than just one moment in time. He Mm -hmm. has prepared a great place in eternity for each of us who believe, is what this passage says. And truth, truth gives us a greater perspective, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Truth really gives us a greater perspective. When we read God's word, We are reading truth. We are taking in truth. (laughs) His word gives us the truth about the condition of our hearts, which isn't always so fun, let's be honest. Um, But it reminds us that we need God. We need him. And that is true. We need him desperately. And so lastly, Jesus comforts his disciples in this passage by reminding him that he is life. He is life, the way, the truth, and the life. And I cannot explain what this means any better than the Apostle Paul, so I'm just going to stick with him. (laughs) Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm. He lives in me, Mm -hmm. in you. And every time I think about this passage, I think about my own baptism. If you've ever been dunked, as they say in certain (laughs) denominations like I was, you know that often the pastor will say, um, you know, when you go down into the water, buried with Christ. Mm-hmm. And then what do they say when you're raised? Raised to life. Raised to life. Mm. I was baptized in this little Pentecostal church in Columbia, Missouri, of all places, when I was in college. And, and when I came up out of the water, I remember just this feeling, the celebration of, of everyone in that little church after each person got baptized and was raised to life out of the water. Mm. And now baptism is a sacrament that doesn't save us, but it is truly a celebration of a new life that is occurring because Jesus lives in us. He is the life. And Paul knew this wholeheartedly. He knew that Christ was in him, and he knew the deep and profound love of God through Christ's sacrifice for him on the cross. And the new life, the resurrection that it brought him. Mm. And so often I think 
it's easy for us to just think about those things, right? Especially in Lent, you know, as we're leading up to Easter, you know, we're thinking about Christ's death and, and the resurrection. But I also think that the Christ about him being the life, it means even more to us as a Christ follower. And what I mean by that is, yes, Christ lives in us. <laughs> he, he died for our sins. He was raised to life so that we have new life. The old is gone. The new has come. We hear all these things, and they are in Scripture. But what about the lives <clears throat> we now lead out of this new, newness? What about how we live our lives now? If Christ is our life and Christ is in us and the old is gone, how are we living out of this newness? Mm. Well, I think this new life that we live in Christ gives us purpose, doesn't it? It gives us a new purpose. We don't, we don't live for ourselves anymore, but we, we live now with this great purpose of desiring that others experience the love of God. Mm that others come to know Jesus as we know him, that others have new life as well. And the love of God gives us this hope for a future and restoration for our weary souls. And I know, um, and I love that song that we mm-hmm. sang, because it's just, it's true, isn't it? We're, we're, you know, we've been, there's been a lot of weariness there's been a lot of weariness for us individually, corporately, in our world right now, in our city. And, and yet, <laughs> when we have these dark valleys, we can look around with Jesus bringing us that restoration to our souls. Mm-hmm. And when everything around us doesn't look good, even then we can still utter these words. I love these words of David in Psalm 27, 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's so paradoxical, isn't it? When we're in the darkest valley that we can, through Jesus, still say, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so, friends, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This is God's plan for our lives, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to believe that his way and his road are the best road. His truth will guide us when the world's truth fails us. And that he came to bring us an everlasting and abundant life. An abundant life with God. And so as we kind of wrap this up and we, we get ready to move into this time of communion together, I, I wonder if we could just spend some, some silent reflection just for a few moments. I'd love to just create a space where we can do that. And for us to ask ourselves um, this question, is there one part of this I am statement that I'm struggling with in my own life? Is there one part? And so as we, um, I just invite you to just bow your head with me if you want and close your eyes. But I think it's important that we, as we wrestle with scripture, um, and there's nothing special about, um, you know, this message that I prepared. This is just what God showed me as I read his word. But I think it's important that we wrestle and we apply. We apply 
what God's saying to us. And so maybe there's a part of this statement that you're wrestling with. Maybe, maybe that part is, you know, struggling to believe that the way of Jesus is the best way. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's great. <laughs> but maybe you're here struggling today with the road or the lack of the road that you see before you. And you might say, God, I'm struggling with this today. Would you help me? Or maybe you're here today and maybe you would say, I'm having trouble, God. I'm having trouble seeing the truth. Hmm. Everything I see on the news, everything I see around me is darkness and I'm having trouble seeing the truth. And I need more of your true word in me. Hmm. And so maybe you might say today, God, would you meet me in your word? Would you meet me in your truth in a fresh way? Hmm. Or maybe you're here today and and maybe the question is, is Jesus, you know, if you really are the life and you live in me, help me to live with hope and purpose because I'm struggling with that. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I just invite us to spend just a few moments in silence and just just tell God, this is where I'm at right now. Would you help me? Would you meet me here? Jesus, thank you for your presence here with us today. Father, thank you for um, just reaching into our hearts, Lord, and and showing us those places, Lord, where we're struggling. God, we thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. We thank you that his way is the best way, even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it's hard. God, we thank you that Jesus is the truth. That, Lord, when everything is around us, when we can't find truth, Lord, we thank you that we can go to Jesus. We can go to your word and find absolute truth. And, Father, I thank you that through Jesus, you give us an abundant and an everlasting life. That, God, you've not just given us great purpose here in our earthly lives, but, Lord, you are preparing a place for us to be with you in eternity. Father, that is a gift. And so, God, we receive that gift today. We thank you that while we are here in our own earthly ministries, Lord, that Jesus lives inside of us. Mm. And you did not leave us alone. We have the Holy Spirit as well. And so thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit today, Lord. Would you continue to speak through, speak to us through your word, 
throughout this week as we continue to seek you, Lord, as we continue to obey you, and as we continue to follow you down your road. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.